Welcome to day 116 of Shaped by the Word. Uh, we're in our third season together, the story of the prophets. And uh, the prophets are the last, uh, you know, kind of quarter or third of our Old Testament. Uh, we've often uh, lost ourselves in genealogies and religious rituals before we get there. But in the prophets, we begin to see God's heart and intention for his people all along, not just to be a people of rule keepers and a people of rituals, but a people who deeply love their God and their love uh, for their God. Uh, it's using a deep compassion for those around them that no longer self-absorb, living for themselves, living for the joy of the moment. I think we had the famous little phrase, you know, let's chase after wine and grab ourselves a beer and tomorrow's <laughs> going to be even better than today. Uh, but uh, really a better day is a day when we have loved the Lord deeply and we have given ourselves away. We even saw that phrase yesterday, spending ourselves on behalf uh, of, of the hungry which is kind of a crazy, kind of a crazy way. Uh, but Paul even reminded the Corinthians that, that the Lord himself said, it's far more blessed to give yourself away than uh, to keep and to hoard. And so it's part of the righteousness that God is calling us to, not just as a ritual, but out of the joy of knowing him and reflecting his heart and character. So we continue in this section, this is the last part of Isaiah uh, where the nation is returning from exile. And, and so there is a warning, you know, that they're already falling back into old patterns. And there is a warning. You know what these patterns have produced for you in the past. They've never led to fulfillment. They've never led to joy. And eventually they will lead, you know, to God's, you know, to God's judgment. Uh, but then there is also, you know, the continued picture of the restoration and the hope that God calls us to. And there is the one, and you'll get another hint of that in this passage today. You know, there is the one through whom this hope, you know, comes to us. So we're in Isaiah chapter 59, and uh, we uh, simply pause to offer this moment to the Lord, and, and not simply this moment, but ourselves. Uh, it's Paul that's called us to be a, a, a living sacrifice, and, and by that he means fully invested in the word of the Lord, the heart of the Lord, and the mercies of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. What a gift it is to hear your voice, to see your face. Even if we look through a glass dimly, we are so encouraged by the grace we see. We're so horrified by the sin. We see not only in a, a rebellious nation of a couple millennia ago, but we see in, in our hearts today. So Father, convict us of sin, comfort us in your righteousness, and call us to be your people. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Isaiah 59 Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is the ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood and your fingers with guilt. Your lips have spoken falsely and your tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments. They utter lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. They hatch the eggs of vipers and spin a spider's web. Whoever eats their eggs will die, and when one is broken, an adder is hatched. Their cobwebs are useless for clothing. They cannot cover themselves with what they make. Their deeds are evil deeds. The acts of violence are in their hands. Their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Act of violence mark their ways. In the way of peace, they do not know there is no justice in their paths. They have turned them into crooked roads. No one who walks along them will know peace. So justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grip along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. 
At midday we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong we are like the dead. We all growl like bears. We moan mournfully like doves. We look for justice but find none, for deliverance but is far away. For our offenses are many in your sight, and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. So justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever sins, evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garment of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. According to what they have done, so will he repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their due. From the west, people will fear the name of the Lord, and from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood that breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion. To those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit, who is on you, will not depart from you. And my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children, on the lips of their descendants. From this time on, and forever, says the Lord. We have uh, both a very uh, discouraging portrait and very encouraging portrait. You know, the discouragement is in, in our sin and in our persistence. You know, uh, our sin is you know described as you know as, as, as filthiness and rags. Uh, I mean, our righteousness itself is described as filthiness and rags, and you get that whole idea that even in our best efforts, we are far from. God's justice, far from God's glory, far from, you know, who he has called us to be. Uh, but there is one, you know, who interacts. There is one who intervenes. Uh, and this is God himself. And so you not only have the picture of the servant, the picture of the coming king, uh, but in the servant and in the coming king, you know, we have God's presence with us acting on our behalf uh, to restore us, you know, to hope. And you have a wonderful phrase. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation was on his head and he put on garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal. Mm-hmm. So you have him enacting justice in order to restore and bring about, you know, true righteousness and true joy in the Lord. I find that <clears throat> the whole list of really who we are is just so convicting. But the one that stood out in verse 6, their cobwebs are useless for clothing. They cannot cover themselves with what they make. And, you know, you think again of the garden and just Adam and Eve and their rebellion and trying to cover themselves as they hid from the Lord. And it was so inadequate, and yet God had to provide for them. And it's just a reminder again that we constantly are seeking either to hide, which is true, but to cover or be our own self, you know, self, savior, our own salvation here. But no, it's, it's yeah. like cobwebs. You know, of course, you know, John invites us, you know, to confess our sins, knowing that he is faithful and just and will forgive of all unrighteousness. And he said, if we say we have no sin, we, we make him out to be a liar and the truth is not in us. Uh, but if we confess our sins, uh, the blood of Jesus, his son, uh, you know, restores us and, and, and renews us. And most of what we do is really to uh, give other people the perception 
you know, we have our act together more than we do. And that's what it means for us to kind of cover ourselves. So we come in, you know, with the right you know, sense of style, the right theological phrases on our tongue, the right, you know, religious practices. We know, you know, the best answers in small groups and things like that. And, and, a, and a lot of it is, you know, just simply a, a veneer to cover, you know, inward greed, heart idolatries and, and those kind of things. And, and what a beautiful description, mm-hmm. right? That's exactly what happened mm-hmm. Adam and Eve. We got to cover ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, what God did was provided more substantial covering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you, you see that grace here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how this chapter starts. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, <laughs> nor is ear too dull to hear. And then it goes on to just list. But I mean, mm-hmm. here's us. This yeah. The problem is not with the Lord, it's with, with Your us. iniquities have separated you from yes. God and keep him from hearing Yeah, you. there is something profoundly wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And, and then that transition after, I mean, it, it details mm-hmm. us. It, we read this, this is us, and then it says... So his own arm achieved salvation for him. Mm-hmm. The arm's not too short. And, you know, it's almost like it's a little bit of promise held out or just comfort held out. You know, here's behold your God, behold you. So God acts. You know, and just being reminded mm-hmm. of yeah, the the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, and there's no one too far from the, the arm of the Lord to you know to save. Because you look at this, and this is pretty treacherous, and yet yeah. the Lord. Intervenes. You know, that's uh, you know it's kind of interesting because you know, he he was appalled that there was no one to intervene, mm-hmm. and, and of course you know that goes back you know to the call of Isaiah. Uh, you know where uh, he says you know this is a people that's far from me. Uh, you know they uh, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And who will go? And uh, Isaiah said, "Here am I." You know, mm-hmm. in, in in that sense, or you know, I'll, I'll go. And and you have a bigger picture of. You know, there is a you know, one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, you know, who gave himself as a ransom for all mm-hmm. men. And you have that picture of uh, the provision of, you know, God's intervention. And you have his righteousness, his salvation, his judgment, and, and his zeal. And, of course, we found that, you know, in uh, Isaiah chapter mm-hmm. 9, where it talks about the zeal of the Lord will bring about this child who will rule forever. And the zeal of the Lord or his, and that's an incredible thing, mm-hmm. you know, that he is deeply enthusiastic about the work he is doing. And he's, it's, his zeal combines both his, uh, you know, his, his ability and his motivation. He has both the motivation and his zeal. He's going to accomplish it and he's powerful enough to, to make mm-hmm. it complete. And so he does both. And I love the invitation in light of all that to know that our sins have separated us from our from our Savior, that He just calls us in, in verse twenty, the Redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. And so we see how do we respond to this? We respond in repentance and in turning from our sins, turning to the Lord, and in that we find salvation and, and not just a one-time repentance, but an ongoing repentance uh, as the people of God. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. It's a good chapter. Even just thinking about the, those last couple verses where mm-hmm. the Lord says, As for me, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you, and my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children, on the lips of their descendants, from this time on and forever. Yeah, you know, it's just that eternal covenant. And, and this is one of the references, you know, we find uh, in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, in the minor prophets as well. Uh, of what we call the new covenant. In other words, it will not you know, simply be a, 
a, a rule for living that God gives his people. It would be a power for living that God gives through his spirit. And uh, we look in sadness, you know, at the time that, you know, uh, God's spirit was withdrawn from Saul and his grace was withdrawn. This is a permanent endowment from the Lord, you know, which will never be withdrawn, the giving of his spirit to his people. as uh, is, is one who, you know, is one who is a, a source of strength and a source of uh, you know, nourishment and, and refreshment in a, in a dry and weary land. Mm-hmm. So what, a, what an incredible gift uh, through the Holy Spirit. David, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Father, what a, what a gift it is to have the word um, describe our condition apart from Christ because it calls us to Christ in, in the same way. And so, Father, may we be a people whose feet are not swift to run into sin, but may we be a people whose feet are swift to run to Christ um, and to find in Him grace and mercy and compassion, but also um, the ability in Christ to then turn and to live in a new way, uh, in a way that honors Him with all that we say and all that we do. And we know that's a gift and a work that you can only do in us, Father. And so may you do that great work of creating us to be your people um, in this time, in this place. And we pray this all in the great name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.